Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Gibson Brands. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. It's so exciting. It is. It is. It's going to be a good one because we've got uh, somebody pretty special on our show. He's a Grand Poobah patron. Mm. That is the tippy top um, level of our patron support. And we are. Is he speaking to us from his. penthouse uh hot tub sweet he might be i i am officially in my poobah penthouse with my poobah fez on and sipping on a poobah drink in my hot tub nice (laughs) i really appreciate you guys giving me that for being a poobah well you you know that's what that's what it's all about so poobah who are you my name is david kaminga and i live in northern california uh, people who have been listening to the show for some time have heard that name every single time. and uh, At least once or twice. At least once or twice. That's right. It, is, it has been our honor and pleasure to, uh, to be able to do that. And we're very, very grateful for all of our patron support uh, on Patreon. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially, you know, our grand poobahs are at a level that uh, are is pretty extraordinary, and it it really does kind of blow our minds um, because this is something we're doing out of I don't want to say out of love. That sounds that's a little squishy, but this is a I love doing a passion it. project. You know, it's it it's is. not a project. It's a, it's a passion pursuit. I love it. Ooh, that sounds like a movie from like a. Uh, 70s <laughs> some kind of crazy 70s movie passion pursuit yes uh, anyways um, so I was trying to think of all the people that might be in passion pursuit <laughs> that, that took me down a crazy thing so uh, Charles Bronson would probably be in passion pursuit but uh, er- he, Eric Estrada but Eric Estrada yeah no yes no. for yes. Reynolds for Reynolds Paul, okay Paul Michael Glaser yeah <laughs> Bron- and Bronson would be the bad guy and and uh, and Burr Reynolds would come in and save the day in passion pursuit okay anyways <laughs> that was whatever I don't know anyway hey every people who are listening right now you want to hear what we're gonna talk about we're gonna do the guitar show we're gonna talk right. about stuff Tony Baloney what what do you what what do you want do you want me to here? tell you what we do I would here? love if you did that okay tell well, me let's just say we collectively like to talk about gear yes, specifically boutique gear even more specifically, things like guitars and amps and pedals and accessories and all the good stuff. Uh, sometimes we talk to very special patrons. Sometimes we have 101s where we learn stuff. Yeah. And those are Jared's we got We got another great one coming up. I've been talking with Rob Chafe. Chafe. Uh, who's not Ooh. here tonight. Um, he's still, what you know, the heck? we're trying to work him into as many as we can. He's but an amp genius. He really is. And we're going to have an open-ended uh, Ask Rob Anything kind of show yes. about amplifiers. So be on the ready. I'm going to send out an invite to do that, mm. just like we did with Jared. Yes. Got to do that, man. Got to be a part of that one. I can't wait to hear his answers. Yeah, that's going to be great. That's going to be a good one. So we are going to have a great time talking together, four guys, 
who love guitar stuff, talking about guitar stuff. Yeah. It's going to be great. Um, we're going to find out David's backstory, find out um, his uh, more about his support and involvement in the guitar community, which um, he's he is an avid supporter of a lot of you builders he has bought from. And uh, we're we're really happy about that as well. Including myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Doki. Uh, we got a couple of announcements real quick. Todd, don't make us wait any longer. What kind of announcements do you have? Well, we need to thank Road Mics for... Road, Road. For providing the uh, Roadcaster Pro uh, machine. The machine that does all the... The dream machine. The dream machine here. Yeah, couldn't think of anything better right there. Yeah. Um, And then we have the Procaster Mics. And the Roticulating Arms. Sure. And so we're really grateful to Rode for providing that to us. Thank you so much, Rode. Thanks, Rode. This is great stuff. Always nice. We use it at least once a week, and it never fails to impress. Hey, you guys need to send me one of those articulating arms down here. We will. Why don't you just order your own? Or you can order your own. No, you can send me from from We'll we'll sort you out. Uh, so I also, you know, I love reading good letters. I know you do. Here we go. We got another great one. Read it. Okay, this is from Tyler Jackson. Hey, Tyler. He says, uh, hey, knobs, I've been listening to you guys for the last couple months, and I love the show so far. I'm in the middle of putting together a guitar that has been lying around in pieces for a while now mm. and have a question about pickups. Mm. If we only had a pickup expert. I wish. Maybe one day we will have hmm. one on the show. I think he yeah. went to Gibson. He might have. <laughs> uh, let's see here. He says, the guitar is a 2005 Deluxe Mexi Strat. I have two P90s and a humbucker housing, and I'm curious about putting them in an HSH configuration. My question is in regards to the middle pickup. Since the P90s are both RWRP... Reverse mm -hmm. wine, reverse polarity. Thank you, Tony. Can the middle pickup be RWRP? Reverse wind. Reverse polarity. Reverse polarity as well or will that create something horrific so not done yet oh not done yet also i am more than happy to hear any criticism of this idea or recommendations for something that might be that might pair nicely with the p90s i don't see anything like this often most of the time if i see a p90 and a strat it's just two of them any thoughts on this i would yes. love to hear what you guys have to think about it or let me know if there's an episode that talks about it. Thanks for doing what you do. One day I will have my re- my name read on the thing. You just did, Tyler King. Yeah. So let me ask wait, you this. Is, what's wait, the wait, configuration wait, wait, wait. again? Just wait, wait. Hang on. So Tyler Jackson's question was, because, <laughs> you know, we had to, we have to go back to it, because it was a little bit confusing. Yeah. He says, uh, two P, uh, I have two P90s in a humbucker housing, yep. and I'm curious about putting them in a, Humbucker, single, single humbucker, humbucker uh, except configuration. Except technically, it's they're all singles. They True, are, they're all single coils. My question is in regards to the middle pickup. Mm. Since the P90s are both reverse wound, reverse polarity, can the middle pickup be that as well, or will that create something horrific? Well, it'll make noise. Okay. I mean, typically, and Jared, I don't mean to step on your turf here, but typically these particular pickups 
the ridge position is standard wine, standard polarity. Which is just a regular old pickup. And the neck position is reverse wine, reverse polarity. Let's just talk about a two-pickup system. If you use those two in the middle position, you get, in effect, a hum-canceling kind of sound. So basically, the hum goes away. If you put it on a three-way switch, bridge position, you'll get 60-cycle hum. Neck position, you'll get 60-cycle hum. Middle position, the hum goes away. That's because of the wind of the pickup and the polarity of the of the pickups or of the if, magnets. If you have a three-way? With a three-way. I just wanted to simplify it. Now, if you apply the same thing, and he wants to put a reverse wind, reverse polarity, strat pickup in the middle. So it'd be P90, strat, P90. Correct. And so what he will is get weird. is... Okay, with, let's just say with a five-way. Five-way all the way down, bridge, 60-cycle hum. Up one in position two, that is a bridge and middle, hum canceling. Position three, middle position, hum. A position four, which is neck and, and, uh, neck and middle, you'll get hum. Position five, hum. Hmm. So it's not a really good solution. I think probably the best option in that case is either to put a dummy coil and wire just the two P90 outside pickups and not worry about having a middle pickup because if if his goal is to eliminate hum, it's not going to work real great. I mean, he could put the middle position with a standard wine, and then that way in position four, he would get hum canceling there. Or if he had... Um, are you guys still there? Good, my computer. If he had the, and I know Gibson does this, they have a three-wire system in their, uh, I think, what are they, P94s, which are P90s and a humbucker. Um, <clears throat> you could actually just, if you switch uh, the, the white and the black wire, which is the start and the finish of the coil, you can actually... Uh, coordinate it with that middle pickup whether it's um no matter you know what it is so it Mm. just it just takes some wiring and experimenting well the other thing that gibson did that was kind of cool if you remember like on the blues hawks there's actually a dummy coil buried in the middle between the pickups so that you can get hum canceling i mean the the middle pickup if we'll call it that which it doesn't really get much vibration it's there just to um to provide hum canceling. Hmm. And so in position it functions, of, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's There's, I mean, it's like seven K with two ceramic magnets. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I guess to answer his question, probably the best thing to do if that, if he has right now two P nineties and a humbucker casing, <laughs> one is reverse wine, reverse polarity. Just go with that. And don't worry about the middle pickup. Hey, I'm sorry, guys. I was getting a hot dog. What are you guys, are you guys talking about? We're talking about RWRP. <laughs> Pickups 102. That is a complicated question, actually. Well, I think people, I mean, ultimately it depends on what the goal is. Is yeah. the goal to reduce hum or eliminate hum? Or is it to just be experimental? Or to be experimental. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know, answering these answering these questions for Tony and I is really fun. But I mean, if if you really want to make this happen, I I highly suggest you get in contact with a local guy that can actually put his hands on this stuff and help you out. Yeah, yeah, 
Good solution. All right. Well, thank you so much to Tyler Jackson for sending that in. He sent that out on Instagram, and we love getting those messages. So thank we you do. very much. All right. Let's find out what's going on in our music worlds this week. Tony's going to lead us off, and we'll hop over to David. All right. Well, among other things this week, um, I was noticing on some of my feeds, there seems to be a, a new outbreak of, of counterfeit strings, of all things. Counterfeit strings. Yeah, a year or two ago, there was uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, counterfeit elixir strings, mm. which are expensive strings. Yeah, and somebody was basically making cheap copy strings, reproducing the the outside packaging and everything. And these were generally available on like Amazon mm. or on eBay. That's such a weird thing because it's not. <laughs> I mean. That's not a huge... Well, it gets weirder because, okay, okay I can understand, bucks. you know, your $20, $25 set of strings, yeah. okay, it's like counterfeiting $20 bills. Okay, I can yeah, see I that. I guess so. so. A lot of work. But, but this latest deal is with Diadario, which, I mean, on a, on a bad day, you can get a set of Diadarios for six, seven, eight dollars um, And this has gotten so bad that Diadario has actually put out a... Uh, a way they put out a press release and they also put out uh, how you can tell if it's a counterfeit set and they also have a live checking the um, the product code wow you can go online and see if it's if it's a legitimate set or uh, if it is a uh, if it's a counterfeit set and you know again I guess the 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 the, the big key here is if it sounds too good to be true it probably is. So these are again uh, sellers that you can find on on uh, on eBay or on uh, on Amazon, different things like that. And um, you know, basically, Diadario is saying, you know, check the length of the strings because, generally speaking, they have they use thirty nine inch strings. Um, generally, the counterfeit ones are shorter. Um, there's a certain feel that that a, a genuine set of Diadarios has. If you run it between, how do your, they describe that? <laughs> they run it as okay. If you run a string through your thumb and forefinger, oh my goodness, it should be smooth, supple, and consistent and consistent in feel. Compared to what? <laughs> Inferior strings may feel rough and sticky. Too much wrap tension can make the string feel stiff and lack of flexibility. I guess the big thing... That is very subjective. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess the big thing is, if you're going to buy strings, get them at a a known retailer. Yeah. If you're going to buy them online... If it's too cheap, it's too good, it's it's, going to be... Off. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're going to buy online, there's plenty of great places that you can buy that are legitimately stock strings. You can ask that company, are these actual you know in this case diadario strings uh who knows they might switch to a different brand next week um they're gonna have to start doing like baseball cards and put like the hologram stickers well they, on they actually have stuff you know they, they there's a certificate of you know not really a certificate but a, a quality control code that they put in all the things that the that the counterfeits don't have um but yeah i guess know where you're buying your strings if it's a you know a, a you know a, a, a legitimate you know, store in your neighborhood, chances are they're buying them from Diadario. If it's online in a known place, 
chances are, you know, yeah. if it's like a musician's friend, especially or, if it's like a like a giant pack of them or something, and it's like crazy cheap. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's strings should cost, you know, five, six, seven, eight dollars, no matter what. I mean, even in in multi bare packs, minimum. bare minimum, bare minimum. So, and you know, personally, I like I I prefer like Kurt Mangan strings because I know if I call Kurt, he's going to make them right. And he's, they're going to be legitimate strings. So yeah. I guess know your seller. And if you can buy direct, buy direct. There's what, Stringjoy? There's a couple of other places. Stringjoy makes them, but yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's some good so ones. So don't get sucked into a deal that sounds too good to be true because chances are you're going to be disappointed. Yep. Yep. SIT right here in uh, That's right. SIT in Akron. All right. Thank you, Tony. Always bring in the goods. Uh, David, how about yourself? Well, I've had quite an interesting guitar week. Uh, last Wednesday, I played a gig at a winery. Mm. Uh, I, li- I live in a town that has, I think, 14 wineries in it. Wow. And um, there was a, they had a fundraiser for a schoolhouse project, and they asked me to play acoustic. So I brought some acoustic guitars and got to play. That was pretty nice because it's been about a two years since i've done that or a year and a half now with that many wineries how does anything get done where you live <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i think they they probably go in moderation ah. <laughs> yeah. but so that that was what i did uh wednesday then this weekend i went down to the desert for to hang out with my number one guitar hero alan johannes Oh wow! At, the, at a concert, they they had it was that was also a fundraiser for the Joshua Tree National Park. That's like Doctor No's best friend. I don't, did you? I don't know. Yes, if you knew that. Yeah, and, and we're knew that. we're going to talk about that when oh, we talk about my okay. story here. But but I got to go down there and go see. A, there was actually two concerts, and I got to hang out with Alan and you know Dave Catching and the. Nick Oliveri, the former bass player for Queens of the Stone oh, yeah. Age, was there, nice. and it was just a it was just a good time because people have been you know dying for live music these days because it's been gone virtually gone for a year. Wasn't he um, playing with the Dwarves? I oh I think so yeah yeah or with um, Mondo Generator okay. also yeah. So and then today I came to work and my coworker had showed up. I have two guitars sitting in my office right now mm-hmm. that they need to be worked on. One is a, a twelve string. I think it's some off brand, but it needs a new nut. And the other one is a. It it's it looks like a Gibson. It says it's a Gibson J forty five. The only thing weird about it is it has two screws on the truss rod cover, which I know Gibsons don't have that. And the truss rod cover, truss rod itself has a flathead screw adjustment. But other than that, the guitar looks authentic. It has a broken headstock. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to try to glue the headstock back together, clean it up a little bit, and then give it back. It's my coworker's son's, both of the guitars. He's just a kid learning how to play. So I think I'll take a shot at fixing those. Wow. Ambitious. That's cool. Yeah, I I, I call myself a, a amateur luthery. Well, uh, that uh, those things scare me. It's one step <laughs> into becoming a professional. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How uh, bad is the break? Well, it's kind of a it's kind of at an angle, so it's going to have a, a a big a big spot where the glue is going to be, and it's not all the way at the nut. It just sort of shaves shaves back about maybe an it starts in the in the back maybe in 
an inch behind the nut and it just goes up at an angle. And I kind of held it up there and it kind of sits nice. Uh-huh. And I've got some tight bond glue and some clamps. I just hope that'll hope that'll hold it. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, tight bond will work. Um, what you might want to do, though, is do you have uh, like uh, glue syringes? No, but that's a good idea. Go, go, go. I mean, you can get them online or if there's like a woodworking store somewhere nearby. And what or you just want to get a big mouthful of it and then use a coffee straw. And no, put, no, no, don't, don't do, that. do that. Don't do that. But uh, what you'll want to do is if it's if it's not a, a complete break off, you'll want to open up the crack. Oh, no, it's, it's completely Oh, it's completely off. off. Okay. Yeah. That changes it then. Yeah, because sometimes, sometimes you just get like a, a partial break. But it's always a good idea to work in some thin down um, uh, type on first in all the areas. It takes a little, it gives it a little more working time and it allows it to penetrate into the wood a little bit more. Mm. But yeah, type bond is as good as just about anything. Um, some people swear by like a, a quick set epoxy or something like that. And the problem you run into with epoxy Too is, hard. well, it's not so much the hardness of it is, is it actually is is actually kind of stays kind of gummy. Oh, that's what I meant by yeah. Too by hard. too hard, you meant gummy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but you know, tight bond has a certain gumminess to it too. But yeah. I think it's a more, you know, I, I guess it's it's kind of what the standard of what. Well, I what was going to say use is. some uh, egg whites and a zip tie. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. do that. Nah, I don't do that. that. I bet that would hold it. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> That's what they did in medieval times. just needs a little extra protein. That's all. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, well, you get that from the yolks. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> now we learned something about eggs. Um, <laughs> On this week's egg Yeah, David, that's, uh, that's a pretty, pretty interesting that's, week so far there. Yeah. So take your time. Clamp it up, yeah, and uh, use wax paper between. You know, if you want to sandwich boards, you know, to kind of oh, hold everything in place. Oh, good idea. So it doesn't stick to the. So wax paper will 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 not stick or to. Oh right, like wood okay. Stuff. So there you go. Some tips. Perfect, uh, Jared. About yourself. Oh, wait until you hear about this super. I'm. Exciting. That's what we're doing. We're waiting. So, um, <clears throat> so I was not on the last podcast. Sorry, everybody. But uh, I was actually home packing a U-Haul up, and I packed up that U-Haul and drove it down to Nashville on Father's Day, and uh, that's Father's that. Day. Uh, yeah. it's German for Father's Day. <laughs> that's right. And uh, unpacked that U-Haul, took it back that evening. Uh, my net, uh, my. St- my stepsister's stepson, so I don't know what you call that. I guess he's just my step-step nephew, right? Step-step. <laughs> anyway, he used to take guitar. His name is Alec Carper. He used to take guitar lessons from my dad before my dad uh, passed. Mm-hmm. But he uh, really he was a good buddy with him, and, and uh, I'm really glad they had that uh, relationship. But he, he came... Uh, and help me unload. And then I said, ah, I'll put all the guitars in this room over here. I brought two amps. I brought a Black Star and, and uh, Drew Foppy's Fop Star, close mm-hmm. dosed, you know, so I don't drive the nice old lady next to me nuts. So, yeah, nuts, nuts. Um, but he, after a while, I didn't know where he was. And then I just. I'm he like, was loading them back into his car. <laughs> where, where would where would he be? Where would I be if I knew somebody had K 
cases and cases of guitars. And there he was. He was like sitting Indian style, getting getting a guitar out, playing a little bit, putting it back, and then getting another guitar out. <laughs> and I really like that because it's, you know, the four things they sit in the case most of the time now because I'm I'm really trying to acclimate to the new area and the new job and and uh, I don't know. It's it's just ah, it was nice to see him and. And uh, so soon, soon you'll be playing at the Bluebird Cafe. Mm. No, I'll watch somebody else play there. No, I think you should do it. Do it, Tony. Come down and we'll go out there and then we'll watch somebody else do Wait. the job. What, what about what, Todd? What about me? What Todd's hurt. That? Todd's feelings are hurt. I, I guess you, can you better apologize. Well, I want to come too. Yeah. Both of you, all three of you clowns, can stay here if you want. <laughs> yeah. So is that the uh, is that the end of the story? Uh, I just didn't know like, if there was some kind of zinger that you're one waiting. more thing. I like guitars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's it. <laughs> no, that, that's about it. I'm, I'm just really the entertainment center that I tried to put together last night really kicked my ace. It was, uh, it was really hard to do. <laughs> okay. I hate putting together that stuff. Was yeah. it from Ikea? It, it may as well have been. Yeah. Uh, Baloney, come down and help me set this stuff up. <laughs> All right. You got to pay my, my, my airfare. Yeah. No. Well, no. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that was a good story. Thank you what for sharing you, that. What about you, Uncle Todd? Well, hey, Todd, what about you? Uh, so uh, if you recall, I was talking about how uh, in previous episode, not the last one, but the, wait, not the. Yeah, not the last one, but the one before it. Uh, mentioned how I got to go shopping yes. for a coworker. Got to get some stuff online. Yes. I was very excited. It showed up at the house yesterday. Nice. And, man, that was one heck of an unboxing because Sweetwater really, they... Did they, did they oh put the bag, the bag of candy at the bottom? I couldn't even find it. Because there was oh. so much pack, like they did such an amazing job of packing that guitar. Yeah, they did a good job. Fender does it a very good job as well on this one. Yeah, um, and uh, and then that was stuffed in. So that box was stuffed inside a whole other box right. that had. Man, I mean, it was like a six foot tall box for a three and a half foot tall guitar. Yeah, but did you get the candy? No, there wasn't any. There's candy there in there. Isn't. I looked for it. Trust it wasn't me. my niece then. I had one time I didn't get candy. One time I bought a a Hughes and Kettner amplifier and there was no candy in the Uh, box. Sweetwater, get on the ball. I know. I figure figure they were just looking out for my health. COVID. (laughs) Because of COVID. Well, so anyways, what what came in that? I got the Supro Delta King 12. Mm -hmm. That's a little 15-watt amplifier, Mm -hmm. a little 12-inch speaker. Mm -hmm. And so I brought that in the studio today, and Tony got to try it out. I done tried it out. And the Fender Squire Starcaster Burst. That's a lovely guitar. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I I had, when Fender reissued that, I think it was a Mexican-made one, I had one, and it was... Twice the weight, seemingly, I like the of weight. what this one. No, you don't want the weight. I mean, it's a semi-hollow guitar. Yeah. This one, I think Squire did a tremendous job of replicating the original weight. It, it's a beautiful of, guitar. Of, it yeah. really is. It's a cool it's, guitar. It's, 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 it's got the wide range humbuckers. Very nice. They did yeah. a great job. Now, I hope, I don't know, I don't believe those and are... honestly, right out of the box... Because the whole reason I got it sent to my house is because a lot of times you get, you know, guitars will show up and they're not in the best. So I've had a, an Epiphone or two show up like that mm. where I'm like, this needs a lot of extra setup. 
Um, and actually, Drew Foppy uh, just did a video talking about some that he's been getting in that, that have not left the factory so great. But this showed up, and I tuned it, tuned it up, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that thing at all. Yeah, it was a beautiful guitar, and it sounded great. It played great. The neck is fantastic. The finish on it is out. I mean, it's, I was really, really impressed. So, and that was a three hundred ninety nine dollar guitar on yeah. Sweetwater. That's ridiculous for free shipping. That's that's a killer you, deal. If, yeah, but if, you didn't get the candy. That's true. If you out there do not have a salesperson, ask for Sonny Brandon. That is my niece. Thank you. Wow. Oh, okay. We can do that. All Todd, right, everybody. She's going to get flooded with calls now. Todd, did you ask you for Sonny Brandon? I didn't. Oh. That's she works hard. She it. loves her job. She works hard. She'll do Sonny the job Brandon. for you. All right. Sonny. S-U-N-N-I. Sonny. Okay. Yeah, I would I would do that, Jared, but I already have a guy. A lot of people I think he's going to buy it. Go to hell and go to Sonny. <laughs> well, wow. I think right now he's driving his new Ferrari around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is true. Uh, David, you yes. buy a lot of stuff. The, com- <laughs> the, Kaminga, the Kaminga yeah. commissions. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, that was a really yeah. good time. We got to play it here at the studio. Yeah. And, um, I yeah, think, it's, it I think it's a good buy. And that Supro amp, that's a very versatile amp. Boost, drive, reverb master volume it's got a lot to it yeah yeah it might need a bit better i would do a speaker upgrade speaker upgrade but that's it yeah yeah so and that's also a crazy stupid deal for a 15 watt tube amp it's yeah yeah, yeah. anyhow uh so thank you to all of you who shared that right now jared let me get a little bit of that <laughs> you okay one, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, David Kaminga, Poobah Extraordinaire. Tell us your four on the floor. Okay, well, I, I, if you would have talked to me a year or two ago, this would have been easy. But right now, I feel like I need 40 on the floor. But <laughs> I do have it narrowed down to four. Uh, my number one is going to be uh, Morley Powerwah. Ooh, okay. And I'm talking about... And I'm at the old Chrome ones. Yeah, that was that was actually the first pedal I ever had. I bought one off my friend for thirty bucks, and I, that was back in the '80s. And so about two years ago, I bought one a new one off for Reverb. So I do have one. Um, I also have on my pedal board. I have a another kind of wah. But the one thing I wish they would do on a wah pedal is put a light to tell you if it's on or off yeah because man sometimes it's on and you just wonder why your guitar sounds all honky but the morley power was that's that's i that's a good one i bet you can get that Uh, modded pretty easy yeah i was thinking about learning how to do it myself but yeah um that that's on my list you need a drill and a flashlight (laughs) yeah We'll get a hold of Drew Foppy. He might be able to do it for you. Well, I did. I years ago when I had one, it, the little light burned out and it quit working. So I that's when I learned about the little Morley bulbs. Yeah. And I used to go up to the music shop and buy like five or six of them just to have on hand whenever the bulb would burn out. That because it works off of the optical sensor. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. Uh, my number two is the. Oh wait, wait, hey, hey wait, so wait, oh. sorry. That's a power walk. Why? What's power about it? Well, it it's got power in it. It's it, it increases the gain. So mm-hmm. when you when you when you push it down, it just gives it more gives it some boost, and it's just a, it's, a, it's a really nice pedal. Okay. Um, they don't they don't make them like that anymore. Uh, you know, th- not that the wahs now are bad, but now a wah is just going to kind of remain the same. You know, wow, wow, wow. But those that power wah is more like a wow. It gives you more distortion. And, oh, so it's yeah. like a, it's kind of like responsive. Like if you're digging into it. But yeah, it's the, got, it's yeah, got I know, but, but instead you're you're doing it with your foot. Yeah, and the and the one I bought back from my friend in the '80s, he when he he bought it off of a guy. He went to the guy's house, and uh, this was before Craigslist and all that. I don't even know how you found people back then, but he went to buy it, Changing and the guy times. had a the guy had a Marshall stack, and he played uh, No Quarter from Led Zeppelin with it. And my friend Gil told me, yeah, it sounded just like No Quarter. So he that's oh, why he that's bought cool. it. But then years later, he sold it to me, and I kept it for a while till I had a bunch of my stuff stolen back in the 90s. And that was one of them. So, all right, wow, number two. two. Yeah. Number two, the Copper Sound Triple Graph. Oh, boy. You got yeah. one of those, huh? Man, I got, I got so lucky on that. Did you get the yellow one or the black one? I got a yellow one. Wow. And here's here's how it happened. I'm sitting there scrolling through my Instagram feed and I saw the Todd Todd Novak's hands and a white <laughs> white package. Oh yeah. And he did the fast motion, opened it up, and he pulled out this pedal that was the triple graph. And as soon as he said octave, I was like, Oh, I gotta have one of those. Yeah. Because I, I love an octave pedal. So I, um, I made a comment on it, and the Copper Sound guy said, yeah, I asked when they're available. He said, they're available right now. So I went right over to Third Man Records, ordered one. Okay. And then they said it shipped, and I got it about a week later, and I got number 004. Wow. Whoa. That's awesome. Because that was an exclusive run. I think they only... They only did those ones in the uh, the yellow. Yeah, they, yeah, they made one hundred. Yeah, wow, that's really and, cool, man. And it's it's a it's an amazing pedal. You you could either make it latch or just momentary octave up and down. And I I run a and stutter uh, it has a stutter too. The stutter, but you can also put an effect in there. So what yeah. I did was I I bought one of the third man plasma pedals to put in that so when i push the stutter it, it gives it the oh wow gives it that that plasma sound that's cool and and that's it that's you know you get a lot of people's attention i remember i was uh, jamming with a friend of mine once i was just playing a riff i made up and i hit my octave pedal and he, he kind of gave me the look like wow what's that yeah so oct- octaves just they're really really powerful when you're you know either you're playing a, a rhythm part or a lead it just it makes it sing yeah, absolutely. And you know, if not for nothing else, for those of us who really are into the gear, just we we love the gear. It's like that's such a collectible piece. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> I stuck it on my Temple Audio board, so I stuck those uh things on the bottom of it, but oh. that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm going to keep it. Yeah. I'm I'm keeping it. Yeah. 
Well, that's really cool. How about number two? Or number three. That man meant number three. By number two, I meant number three. You know oh, how this goes. If, well, if we do that, I get one extra. No. <laughs> you know what? You're a poo bog. You get one extra. Okay. So number three is a Keeley compressor. That thing is it's just so powerful, especially if you're driving it into a tube amp. And it has that switch on it for single coil or humbucker. Mm-hmm. And when you when you just you can adjust the power and how much just how much compressor it has, and that really can get you some good dirt on a on a tube amp very very well. I mean, I could almost pretty much leave it on all the time. Wow! Because you could play, you know how you know tube amps are. You could play soft, or you could dig in and get more. That just kind of enhances that ability for me. That's so great. that's one of my top pedals. Even though I know you know I know a tuner and a volume pedal. Yeah, the, the utility pedals, a compressor is kind of like that, but this one here, I think, is in a different class than a regular compressor. Well, there's a reason he sold seven hundred thousand of them. Yeah, they're awesome. Well, I, I mean, bought two. I'm not I even have. joking about that number. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I have two of them because yeah. I bought I bought one, and then I I'm gonna uh, bought one for a second pedal board. So that's cool. Now, have you always been like a compressor guy, or did you get into that later? I'm um, I'm just glad you figured it out. <laughs> Well, years ago, I remember, I remember back, you know, back in the eighties, I was young. I didn't really have much money. And, uh, whenever you'd, you'd go to like the music shop and you'd see something on sale that's like, Oh, I can afford that. So I remember buying a compressor and I, I, I didn't know what the thing was. And I came home and I plugged it in and played it. And I said, Oh, that's what those country Western guys use. Yeah. And so I, but I kept kept with it, and I figured it out that you can either do that with it, or you can use it for other things. But you know, as I as I've grown as a guitarist, I've learned, you know, what what you could really do with a compressor to enhance your sound, not just get the sound effect of it. So where it's you know just a mo- it's kind of a modest alteration instead of you know the extreme, you know that when you hear a, hear a, hear a country western solo playing on a Stratocaster through a compressor that's all dialed up. It's like a, I don't know what they call that, but yeah, but I've either. come a long way since then. Well, that's cool, man. What's uh, number four? Okay, number four was a tough choice, but I have to, I, I went with one that I do really love this pedal. Um, it's a Walrus Audio Mako D1 Delay. And the reason I like that is because it's it's so versatile with what you could do because it, you could you could make the delay flange or fade or it just has a lot of parameters you could set and it's kind of a kind of a commentary on the modern pedal builders where these these guys out there designing these pedals they they have these great ideas so they take just a, de- a delay we're going to we're going to repeat a note well what can we do with that note when it repeats and then they add multiple effects to it and that one's just a really i do have the whole trilogy of those mako pedals but that's that's the first one i got cuz i think yeah it was the first one that came out and um i've just really enjoyed you know playing with that it's a good pedal awesome do you have any other walrus pedals I have, uh, well, you know, it's a, I always, I say it's a slow, but I think, I think the umlauts over the O makes it slur. Slur. 
Schlue. Yeah. So I have one of those, and then I have the R1 and the ACS1. And that slur pedal, I almost picked that one for my four on the floor too, because I like that one when you're just playing ambiently and you, I think it's the right button you can hold down and it will just re keep repeating mm. whatever's playing with it at the time. And then you could play over it and it just stays, it just oh, stays in like the a background. Electro harmonics freeze. Yeah. Or a, or a, a game changer plus. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like that, and I and I just you know sometimes these pedals like the like the Chase Bliss Mood pedal, you know I played that at Nam a couple years ago, and it was like oh my god this pedal's cool, so I took a picture of it, and then later I got one, and th that pedal it does so much when you play when you play with it, you, I don't really know like I'm going to turn this knob and see what happens. I don't I don't know if I don't hear a sound in my head and know how to make that happen with it. I just use it as like a let's see what happens because I, I guess i just have to spend more time with it yeah well all right and your 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 super duper grand poobah bonus round number five what about that oh uh, well hmm a tuner no i'm just kidding <laughs> i would say i would probably say i might go with a, a jhs super bolt because that's a that's a good overdrive pedal. I've really I got one of those, and that was that that's been my favorite overdrive out of all the ones I've tried. The Superbolt. Well, what is yeah, the Superbolt? I'm trying to well, remember I heard, what the Superbolt does. I, and I heard about it from uh, one of your guests. That, that was on their four of the floor. I, every time you have somebody on and they do their four on the floor, I always look up those pedals. Yeah. And the Super Bolt, he told me, the guy, the guy that said that talked about it said it was like a uh, a Telecaster into a Supro amp, and that's what that's what I said. Oh, I got. Oh have yeah, it. it's like kind of it's like an amp in a box kind of thing. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. the Jimmy okay. Page Led Zeppelin one pedal. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that and your extra one and um you know it's that's one of our favorite things to do is is hear what people are playing yeah well like i said i every every single and i've listened to probably everyone i went when i first listened i went back to the beginning oh boy and i've listened to <laughs> almost I, I mean i have a few i haven't got to yet but every time you have a, a guest on the show i look up their page and i look up all their four on the floors and i just see what they are, you know, because that's how you learn about stuff. All right, David, you've mentioned that you've been you've listened to a lot of our shows, and you joined December eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. Mm. David Kamenga, this is your life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do you it recognize a, this voice? Yes. <laughs> it was a cool winter day in December. Yes. So uh, you've been hanging out with us for quite some time now, yeah, and that's, that's right. Yeah. That's, very cool. My man. my first episode was the Doctor No. No kidding. Uh, wow. Yeah, because I have a Doctor No pedal, the Alan Johannes eleven eleven pedal, oh, which yeah. is a very very exclusive yes. pedal. But I've been an Alan Johannes fan for years, so when I knew he was doing that pedal, I just I, at first I didn't couldn't buy one, but then he he what he does is he'll say he's only gonna for that pedal he made eleven times eleven. 121 pedals that's it yeah but he makes them in batches so right 
I, I happened to catch the latch, last batch, and I got got that pedal, and um, and so when I when I heard he was going to be on the podcast, I was from his page. I saw, oh, I'm going to listen to that. So I have an hour drive home every day. So on the way home, I listened to the Doctor No interview, and then when I got home, I. Uh, I texted the show on the, the Facebook of the show and I had a conversation with Jared about my experience with that pedal, how I bought it and I blew it up. I, just, I didn't have it for a half hour. I remember that. Uh, and, you know, I paid like 400 bucks or 500 bucks for the pedal. I waited for like three months to get it. Yeah. And I finally got it and I, I quickly took it out of the box. I went and I, and instead of plugging it into an amp, I plugged it into a DI, into a mixer, put the headphones on, and I, and I couldn't really get... It sounded like it was starving. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe it's not getting enough uh, amperage from this power supply. Let me grab another power supply. So I went in my box of Wallwort power supplies, and I pulled one out, and I looked at it. It said 9 volt, and I couldn't find the polarity on it. And so I'm looking. I said, well, uh, it's fine. And I plugged it in. I plugged it into the pedal. And the little lights went, oh, no, and it was dead. And then I looked at the pedal again. I'm like, oh, it says AC on it. So I emailed Dr. No, and I told him what I did. And, you know, he's such a nice, nice guy. He said, he said, well, you know, don't let anybody touch it. You send it back to me and I'll fix it for you and send it back. So I packed it back up and went down and I went to ship it. I took it to the post office and I did it when I was, I was going out of town and I, I remember dropping it off and leaving. And then I waited, I figured it would take about a month to get there. <laughs> and so after about six, cause it's, it's, you have to send it back to the Netherlands. Yeah. So I, I sent it and waited. Ship. Yeah, that's right. And so I, oh, I remember I went back to see the eclipse in South Carolina and I came back, and then, like a month later, I went. I went. I, he, I sent him another message. Hey, did you get the pedal yet? He said no. So I went to the post office and I asked the lady at the post office, "Hey, um, here's the the number of my, you know, the customs tag. Can you check it?" She looked at it and said, "Wow, this is odd. It's still in San Francisco, and it's been getting scanned every day. So oh every goodness. day, this package." And it did this for like two months. It got scanned every day. And so I, I have a friend that works for the post office. So I, I sent her a message and I gave her the number and she said we'd look into it. And she said, it's kind of weird, but it's, it's stuck there. But she couldn't really do nothing. But she did give me a number to call. So I called this number and I talked to a guy and he said, oh, yeah, that's stuck in a loop. Um, once he, what he this is literally what he said was somebody one at one point is going to notice that hey i've seen this package before and then they're going to pull it out and it'll be on its way but that never happened and then he gave me another number to call and i left them and they said just leave a message they'll call you back so i called the number left a message and then like two days later i got a call back from a guy that said hey i just wanted to let you know your package got on a plane last night headed for the netherlands and then um, I think the very next day or two days later, Dr. No messaged me, said he got it. So he fixed it. And he and I asked him, what is the power requirements? You know, what, how many amperage, 
amps does it take? So he he sent me a European power supply with it and a couple t-shirts and uh, wow. you know and that was and so I told Jared that story um, while we were just you know texting back and forth and ever since then I just thought wow man these guys are pretty cool and so I just kept listening to the shows and I started to notice that this was at a time in my life where I was really starting to work on my own guitars. I mean, I was tearing my guitars apart and rewiring them, and I built a fretless guitar out of a Squire Bullet, and I'm doing all these guitar projects. At the same time, I'm listening to your show, and I just feel like I'm just absorbing all this guitar knowledge from it. So that's how I got started on your show. And you got knowledge out of this? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, honestly that that actually thrills me to my soul core because that's the whole reason that we did the show. So yeah, you. I mean, the, besides you know the one on ones, you you Selfish learn thing. about speaker. You know, you can learn about speakers, pickups, um, and then plus you learn what pedals to go buy. Yeah, that's well. I I'm really stoked that you found something in us that you liked i mean it, it means a lot to us we got a whole bunch more that we need to learn about you like how, how did you get it into the guitar stuff in the beginning okay so when i was a kid i i i was always into music when i was i think six i remember my parents taking me to accordion lessons and they bought me a little a little organ that was you know plastic and and I used to sit in my room and just play that. I'd make I don't I didn't think I was writing songs, but I would sit there and I, I I knew how to play chords and I just learned what chords went together without having any musical knowledge. <clears throat> and my grandma had a, a Hammond organ at her house that I used to play. And um, and then when I got old enough in school to go into a band, I played the trumpet, then I played the drums, then I played the clarinet, then I played the saxophone, and I played the drums again, and I just was always into music. And I had uh, my stepdad played the guitar, and he had a guitar, and you know I, I learned you know how to play a G and an E and an E minor an A minor and a D and I, I knew how to play a B but it was always too hard so um, I just I just always dabbled on the guitar and I and in high school I had a couple of friends that had a guitar and I remember uh, one of them letting me borrow a guitar for a while because I remember having it and I remember playing it and I have a picture of me with it but I but I was never never really serious about it and then when I was 20 years old I was at one of my friend's house, he was having a party, and there was a guy there that was playing his guitar, and he was playing all these cool rock songs off the radio, and I know one of them that he played was Roundabout by Yes, and uh, that's the one, only one I really remember, I don't remember the other ones, but it was right then and there, I looked and said, man, I wanna do that. So the next day I told my friend Pete, whose house it was, I said, Pete, I have decided that I am going to be a guitar player. <laughs> and so he said, okay. And he went back into his, into his bedroom, into his house and, or, and into the closet. And he came back out in the living room where I was sitting and he had this old Decca acoustic that had the top was caved in because the bracing was broken and it was really a piece of junk, but he gave it to me and said, you can have this to learn. <clears throat> so 
I took it home and I just started playing that guitar. I mean, I played for hours, just every day, every day after work, I'd come home, play the guitar, play the guitar. And I would put on uh, Led Zeppelin albums and I'd try to play along with them, you know, try to try to figure it out. And then, and then I remember my, my next stepdad, he, he had a, I don't know how he got it, but he had an electric guitar that he said I can have, and it was a Hondo Strat copy. And on the, I didn't even know it, but the neck was warped because my friend Gil used to tell me, hey, there's something wrong with your neck. I can't set your intonation for you. And so I had this, this crappy acoustic guitar, this crappy electric guitar, and I scrounged up a crappy amplifier, and that's, that was what I had for the first probably two, two years, three years. But I just kept with it. I had a strong passion for it, and I just wanted to keep doing it. And then eventually, uh, my friends and family, that because I always made them listen, hey, listen to this. And they started to say, hey, you're getting pretty good on that thing. So I kept getting better and better and better. And then one day, um, we, were, we were kind of my, my, we were having like a party at our house during the day. And it was a weekend, and my, and my friend Gil, who I, he, he played guitar also. Him and I played a lot together, um, learned a lot that way. Um, he, he, he was coming over, and I said, hey, bring your guitar over. And I thought he was going to bring his new guitar, but instead he brought his, uh, he had a Gibson SG he brought over that he was selling. And that's the one he brought. I, I thought he was going to bring a guitar to play with us, but he instead brought, just brought the guitar to sell or something. And my stepdad uh, looked at it and he looked at me and said, Hey, you want that guitar? And I said, Oh yeah. He's, and so he paid, he, I think he paid 350 bucks for it or 300 bucks. And he gave him the money. And then all of a sudden at that point I had a, I had a Gibson SG, a nice guitar and I had saved up my money, and I got a, a PV Bandit 65. <laughs> so I had a good amp and a good guitar, and then things just, I just started to get better and better. And, you know, I got, got really pretty good at it, and I, I was learned how to play songs. I mean, back then, there was no YouTube or any of that. How you learned was you would uh, read the guitar magazines every month. I'd go down to the Tower Books and buy all the guitar magazines, and I just read through them. And then anytime you had a chance to play with somebody that was more experienced than you, you just learned from them, learned from playing with them. And sometimes they would teach you, like I remember the first guy to show me the uh, pentatonic scale. He goes here, because I was just trying to play it. And, and this was at some of my friend's house and it was this guy's brother. He had all these guitars hanging on the wall and stuff. So he, he showed me how to play a pentatonic scale. He said, now, if you just learn this, you could play a solo, you know, for blues or rock in any key. You just learn what, what it is. And so I, I would just pick up on all that knowledge and just keep going and keep going. And, you know, I got to the point where I, I probably could have and should have been in a band, but the one time that I, I was kind of approached with somebody. I was more into the, you know, I, it's just the, the music and the art. I'm not going to be a commercial sellout. But, but this guy, I was on a bowling team, and one of the guys I bowled with, son, was a, a drummer, and some of my friends knew his sister, so they, they, they introduced me to this guy to start a band. And I, I'm talking to him, and one day he tells me, 
you know, it doesn't, and this is in the 80s, if you can remember what music was like then. He said, the music doesn't matter. What matters the most is the look. And he wanted to, he wanted to have the big hair and the, the leather jumpsuits and all that. And I, and I wasn't into that. I'm, I'm, I was doing it for the music. So I just said, no, thanks. I, I really don't want to do that. And I just kept to myself. I mean, I would do an open mic night once in a while. But I never really, you know, played for people. And then, you know, a few years later, I got married and had a kid and kind of quit, quit playing for a few years. And um, then when I got divorced, I thought, I'm going to get back into guitar. So that's when I started. That was in 2001 and 2002. And that's when I started playing again. And I started, you know, collecting guitars and expanding my knowledge. Because back in the 80s, when I said I wanted to become a guitar player, what I had in my head of that was I'm a guy that knows how to how to work on his guitars, how to fix stuff. And being a guitar player, I think that that's part of the deal is you know how to set your intonation on the guitar. You know, you might know how to make a, you know, rewire, resolder something or, you know, do some basic guitar skills. But I never really did that until, you know, just recently. But when I started playing again, I remember, you know, eBay was real popular and, so I would like, oh, I could go buy a guitar on eBay. So I remember I went and bought a, uh, I bought a, a Les Paul Firebrand, and I was kind of disappointed in it. But I mean, it was a guitar. And what was? Why were you disappointed? It's just because because I was going after the, I had that that SG which was a the SG, a nineteen seventy nine, mm-hmm. and so I was looking for one of those. But I couldn't find one. The closest I could find was a Les Paul that was the same, uh, the same line. You know, that was the Fire brand. So I bought that guitar, and it just didn't sound as good as the SG. It didn't feel as good. The neck, it just didn't feel that good. And I wanted all I remember is I wanted to change the the tuners on it. I wanted, to, I just wanted to change it. And one of my friends talked me out of it because he said, no, nah, that's a vintage guitar. So if you change it, you're going to ruin the value. And so I said, well, then I'll just sell it and I'll buy, I'll buy a new Les Paul. So that's when I bought a, that was in 2011. I bought a Les Paul studio. And I remember I had to wait about a year and a half for it. Cause that's when the, wow. the DOJ went, remember that they went into the Gibson factory and took all their oh, ebony yeah. and rosewood it was supposed to have an ebony fretboard and I'm sitting there waiting for it, waiting for it. And I finally got it and it, and it didn't even have an ebony fretboard, which was kind of a disappointment to me, but I, it still is an okay guitar. I still have it. I, of course I have uh, Brandon wound pickups in it now. Mm, natch. And, and, and that's like, that was my, that was like what started me. But then I slowly started to collect more, more guitars. And I, uh, you know, in 2016, I added, mandolin to my repertoire um i was cast in a a play because i i'm also active in a theater so i've i've able to i'm able to um how i started with that was in 2012 some of my friends were doing shakespeare in the park and they were doing a melodrama version of measure for measure the shakespeare play and they needed a musician so I said, okay, I'll try that. So I went to the rehearsal with them, and the director 
said, well, what we need you to do is when the villain comes out, you got to come strum a villain chord. And when the <laughs> hero comes out, you got to play a hero chord and make chords for people. Oh, and then the, the direct. And so I thought, yeah, I could do that. So that. Uh, so what what chords did you play? I'm well, guessing, I'm I, guessing D minor for the for the villain. Yeah. And yeah, G it was, it for was this hero. It was kind of a weird D minor because I like to do a little bit of dissonance, you know, even more than just a minor op offers. But the funny thing was that one of the one of the people in the play was like the head of the music department at the local college here. And, um, I, you know, she obviously has perfect pitch because I played the whole time I had my guitar in drop D. And so she said, why is every, everything you play in the key of D? <laughs> but, but, but how that worked was they, they, the director told me to do the chords, but then she said, it's kind of stupid for you to walk out and do that and walk back. So you're going to have to stay out here the whole play. And so you're like a minstrel. If you're, yeah, and if you're out here, it, it would be awkward if you weren't playing some music. So all I did was for the for like the six weeks of rehearsals, every night, you know, every weeknight, I went to the Shakespeare in the Park rehearsals, and I and I would watch each scene and kind of kind of write a song for it. And I would just have like these little things. I was just making them up, and a lot of them turned into songs I still play. But I was kind of like just providing a musical soundtrack for the play. And, you know, the play was like two and a half hours. So it was a lot of music. But, you know, it didn't have to be exactly the same every night. It could be a little different. But I, I just I took the time to uh, make little notes. And I and I what I did was I taped I taped some uh, three by five cards on the, the side of my guitar so I can kind of remember how the flow of the play went and what was coming up so I knew to play the right songs. And that's how I got started in theater. Um, and then I did a couple more where people knew about me and invited me. And then in 2016, I did a, uh, a theater play of um, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, <clears throat> and wow. that, has, that has music in it. And so uh, the first thing, the first thing that they, they actually precast me to be do the music. And so I went and met with the two directors like three or four months before the play. And then one of the things, the main theme of the song was the lullaby where the princess Titania goes to sleep and her fairies sing this song to her while they do this dance. Well, I had to write a song. And so they told, they, they told me to, uh, go meet with this singer that, that was the other fairy. Her name was Caitlin and she, she was just had this beautiful voice. So I went over to, I've never met, met her at all. I went over to her house and I brought my Tascam 24 track recorder and a yes. guitar and a, uh, <laughs> yeah, I still love that. Jared's That's awake. cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I had one of those. Yeah. That was the only thing everybody. <laughs> Well, shoot, back in the day, they were really expensive, but they got down yeah. to like four or 500 bucks yeah. where it's no big yeah. deal. Oh, now they're, now they're expensive again. Yeah, so, so yeah. I went over there, and, and her and I, we, we had the script, and we did this. And I happened to, like a week before, the director's husband told me that they wanted me to like play music at the beginning of the play when the, the four characters, I won't get into the whole Shakespeare, but the four oh. characters come in in street clothes, and then the puck, which is like the kibitzer funny guy, 
he's up in the tree on the stage and he's he, he sprinkles this fairy dust on him which was really glitter and they fell asleep and so he wanted me to play this lullaby then too and then he kept saying he wanted me if, if i've ever heard of the song silent lucidity by queensrike which yeah i've heard of the song um and i listened to it for some inspiration but it, it sounded like like one night sometimes it happens to me i'll wake up in the middle of the night and i'll like have a song in my head mm-hmm. and Sometimes I just go back to sleep, but but sometimes I've gotten up and turned my. I used to have to go in somewhere where there was a recording device, but now I just do it on my phone. I'll just push record and I'll play it and I'll save it in the name of what like the tuning was or what key it was, so I remember. And I had I had written this song and it, I used Dadgad tuning a lot, and I had done this thing. It was it was like a partial song wanting to become something. Well, I just thought that would be good to become the lullaby. So I went to this uh, Caitlin's house and I, I played that and she started seeing, she kind of sang the words to it. We kind of adjusted it a little and, and we recorded it on the 24 track. And then I took it over to the director's house and I put the headphones on. I said, here's what we did. Listen to this. And um, she was practically in tears. It was, she oh, liked that's it so cool. much. So, so I started doing that, and then they started telling me they wanted me to play a. Uh, well, they they called it a lute, which oh yeah, which a uh, lute is really yes. a guitar. It, to to <laughs> be technical, on that one, <laughs> a lute is really a guitar. So the headstock's bent was, like all the way back. Yeah. yeah, like an oud or something. So they wanted me to play on that kind of guitar. And so I'm like, well, I don't have one of those. I just have, you know, my guitars. And so they said, oh, well, somebody in the, there was a young girl in the play. They had a lot of girls that were the fairies. And the one was this really talented girl that did all the choreography. And she was like, you know, 17 years old. She's choreographing a play and, you know, phenomenal talent. But her dad or stepdad, I think, purchased a guitar, a, a mandolin for, the show and when it, and they they gave it to me and I looked at it and it was one of those novelty you know plastic mandolins like you know when you go to Hawaii you get the plastic ukulele mm-hmm. so I'm like well this thing you can't even tune it right so I, I gave it back to him and then I knew a guy that I, I borrowed a mandolin from and he when he handed it to me he said okay here's how it works he showed me the the strings he said it's just an upside down guitar so here's a G here's a D and I said oh, okay so you just have to think upside down and you can play it. And so I expanded my musical knowledge That's to mandolin when I did that show. I had to I had to write all these songs with it, and which was kind of nice because I didn't have a pre- preconceived notion. I just started playing the thing and whatever came out came out. That's awesome, man. Uh, you got to do and, all these cool instruments and stuff and you just yeah. kinda, it sounds like you stumbled kind of actually really stumbled into that in a good way. Yeah, 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 that hap- that seems to be the way it happens. I mean, well, I, I wrote, there was about five or six songs I wrote, and then I had one song left over that really didn't fit the show. So I just kept that as a song. And then what I did was I took the, instead of playing it on a mandolin, you flip it upside down, and, and but the strings are hot, go high to low. And then I played it on a guitar, and it took on a whole new... Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It took on a whole new thing. It's the same chords, and I've actually recorded that and 
that song I called Black Rain, and because it's real ominous mm. sounding. But if you listen to it on a mandolin, it's real kind of pensive and uh, kind of light. But when you hear it on a on a, like a, a guitar, when I recorded it, I just plugged a guitar into a preamp and, and a tube preamp, and then right into the record into the Tascam twenty four track, mm. and. That was the cleanest guitar sound I've ever heard. It was just so clean and deep and throaty. So That's cool. Um, so aside from lutes and mandolins and all kinds of other stuff, what what is your... Don't forget the oud. The oud. What is your, um, I guess, your number one guitar? You, you have all of the things that you have, you, t- you get to take one of them. What, what is that? Oh, I, you, I knew you were going to ask something like that. <laughs> well, um, I kind of, I, I almost feel obligated to say my uh, my custom shop Gibson 1960 historic, just because that's such a nice guitar. You, um, you almost feel obligated, which means that you needed the, that. That was an honorable mention. What is your? Yeah. Well, okay. House is on so, fire, unfortunately. What do you grab? I would grab that. Too. Not you, Jared. <laughs> well, that that one's worth the most money. <laughs> yeah, that's Mine why I would no grab object. it. Mine is no object. What is but, the okay. what is the one that tugs at your heartstrings? Okay, so so I mentioned Alan Johannes before earlier, and Doctor No. Mm-hmm. There, I have a Alan Johannes signature sparkler by Dream Studios, and. To me, that that guitar, it, it's it, it's it's shaped kind of like, it's shaped kind of like a Jazzmaster, but it's completely custom made and it has uh, Seth Lung, uh, Seth Lover humbuckers in it, and it just has a really it doesn't sound like any other guitar I have at all, and it means a lot to me because of the you know the artist that it's made for so mm-hmm. i would have to say that's probably probably my number probably my my number one would like to save guitar that's cool nice that's very cool it's sort of like a almost like a thin line um offset with the hollow yeah. body uh, semi hollow in the top right and and i actually took that with me down to the desert this weekend and, and i had him sign the back of the headstock for me oh that's really cool that so, is very and cool. I, and I had him sign my Dr. No pedal, too. Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's even better. That's even better because um, that is, we're not going to get into it right now, um, And uh, but I would encourage you all to to get a better understanding of, you know, we were talking about the Dr. No pedals and everything, but that one has some pretty um, deep, deep meaning to it. There's a ton of symbolism in that pedal. It is a work of art and a work of like real emotion that went into that um it's it's pretty special yeah it's it's quite a pedal i mean you just look at it and say wow yeah so david it's really interesting to hear somebody basically using their everyday guitar talents and stuff to get into uh, a theater that's pretty rare um what are you are, are is it are you doing anything different now? I mean, I know that was before. So, uh, what are you doing with your guitar gear and everything now? Yeah. So, um, so these days, I mean, now I'm hoping to get back more into some of the ambient 
acoustic music I play at wineries because they're starting to open back up that they've been closed. Mm -hmm. But um, the other thing I've been doing is I'm, I've got a drummer I've been working with, and he's a, he's a really good drummer. And we started playing together about, I don't know, three years ago. And we kind of had to put it, put it on hold a little bit and stuff, but, but we've been getting back together and we just mic'd up all his drums and I set him up with a, a studio kind of at home so he could, uh, you know, work on ideas because we're actually writing music and, you know, putting something together and then we're going to, you know, get some more musicians to collaborate with us. That's but, cool. um, so what I do now is I take, I go over to his house and um, I bring my my recording gear. I also have a, a you know Universal Audio and a Focusrite. Um, I have brought the Tascam over to his house, but but I've been bringing all that because now I have to now I have to get ten drum mics into my computer. So I have mm. two two audio interfaces hooked up, and we plug in all the mics, and then that leaves me enough to plug in a guitar and you know, uh, eventually other, other instruments and microphones that come in and we're just working on, you know, writing, writing songs. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of partial songs that I, I just have that need to be developed. And I find the collaboration of working with somebody else on it is, you know, he'll tell me, Oh no, no, that's too much there tone that down and then and then we'll and he's actually written some lyrics we do have one song complete with lyrics and you know i know that that my riffs and little guitar parts will have to be modified to fit the words of a song and it's just somebody that i really work together with when when we do, when you know we always open our sessions with a with like a blues or a rock jam and it's it's just great to have somebody you click with that you mm -hmm. know if if he he plays a drum fill that just leads right into something else I'm going to play and then I'll play something and I can I can hear him going into a different drum thing and we just play off of each other and so we're going to put something together we'll we'll, we'll we're definitely going to make an album and we we want to do some you know gigging not not extremely you know I don't want to be a working every weekend have a gig every weekend thing because you know i still have the same passion i had when i was 20 years old for this instrument mm -hmm. um and if i make it to where it's every weekend it's it's not going to be that anymore because yeah. i do have a i do have a full-time job and a life that i have to maintain um it's just i want to i want to keep doing more with the music and you know get something recorded and then get maybe get a uh, gonna need probably a singer maybe a second guitar player keyboard player bass player you know all that and uh, maybe get a gig every couple months or every month just to go out and play for people and cool, you know man. just see where that goes hey, i mean as long as you're pursuing a passion it, it that's I, I think that's such a, a respectable and healthy thing to have in in one's life regardless of whatever that is if you're gardening or you know painting or whatever but you know it's extra cool when it's guitar stuff so yeah i applaud that yeah. that and it, it, it could be anything but it, it I, I as far as i'm concerned guitar is it man I've, yeah i love those things well uh speaking of that you know you have been very uh instrumental in our own personal uh, our little guitarosphere our microcosm within the guitar knobs world but i know that you support a lot of builders out there and um, I, I guess one thing that 
I'd like to ask, uh, and it, I, want, I need to make sure, Tony. Yes. Tony was giving me a look. I didn't know if I was cutting you off or anything. What? No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> okay. Wake no, up, no. Tony. Yeah. No, um, I'm here. I, I wanted to find out if, like, within this guitar community, is there anything that you would like to either say to it, say about it? So that's the first question. The second part of that is, what would you love to see, like, maybe come out of it, develop, change, anything like that? Um, I would say what I, what I see the most, I think I touched on it earlier, was all these, all these like, for, we'll stick with the, the pedal builders for this thing. Mm-hmm. These guys just have these ideas that you're just like, how did you think of that? And they come up with these pedals that are just incredible and they do so much stuff and they allow you to be so creative that it's just, you know, and I don't know, it's just going to keep going. Cause I remember back in the eighties, you know, pet, you had pedals and they weren't that big a deal. They all did the same thing. And I remember we all wanted rack gear back then. And so when I had a chance to get back into it, I bought all the rack gear and then I'm looking around saying, wait a minute, nobody's using rack gear. They're using pedals. And you start looking at all these you know they're just incredible from when you guys have a guest on the show you just look at all the stuff they're coming up with and it's just it's just so they're so creative that it allows us as musicians to be creative and just kind of something maybe i thought of it, i don't know how if it's that even that good of an idea but something i thought of was if you had a guitar that say had a uh, built in some some effects built in that was you know not like some cheesy crappy thing but something that was actually a really nice guitar that had a boost in it or an overdrive in it so you could just plug that into your amp and you could you could overdrive your amp with just your guitar um, you know more so than you can now I think that's something I'd kind of like to see that's cool yeah right on and I don't even know that that might not even be a good idea I don't know but. <laughs> Well, you have uh, the open floor right now, and if you'd like to say anything to the guitar community, for the guitar community, of the guitar community, um, did you like to uh, close out with anything? Yes, I want to say to the to the new guitar players out there, stick with it and take your time and just learn it because you might not think you're that good right now and you might think you got a lot to learn and you do, but if you just stick with it and just keep playing it, it, it's a, it's a thing that can bring you just many, many years of enjoyment and to all the experienced players out there, just keep doing it. And when you get a chance to help somebody out, that's just starting out, give them some help. Yeah. That's solid. Give them some good advice or, you know, like give, I've given away, you know, three or, I don't know how many now, but I've given away some acoustic guitars to young people that are just starting out, you know, because they can't afford one. And if I have one extra, I've given, I've given a few away to, That's to help awesome. a young person. That's awesome. David, we really appreciate you sharing your story. We're thankful that you are in our personal little guitar community and um, glad that you are doing something that you absolutely love to do and that you continue with that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I kind of thought you were going to ask me who my favorite knob was. I don't ask that. 
Uh, that would be me. It's a setup. Uh, David, uh, who would be your favorite knob? See? Well, I love you all equally. <laughs> but I do have to say, I do have to say, I've hung out with Jared at the NAM shows a couple times. Yeah. So that was a really you good You can't turn. not like Jared. Yeah, what's yeah. not to like? Jared's Jared's actually pretty cool and he's got a congratulations on your job at Gibson. That's Thank like you. a dream. And and I have I have hung out with Jared at NAM and we even went to the big uh Winter NAM and spent the whole day just kind of walking around and talking to people and that's awesome. And I had a lot of I fun. I really with Jared. enjoyed that. Yeah, Wolf with Wolf with Wolftone was with us too. Yeah, I liked him he's too. A really he's good a pretty time. cool guy. We went up to the Gibson as well. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah, I'm. I was really glad that you're that you were on, David. I had a really good time. Yeah, and, yeah, and we'll see you again soon. Yeah, let's do that again. Well, Except you'll be in the Gibson booth. Yeah, yeah, you'll be in the Gibson booth. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, Jared, I think it's uh, you're up to bat here, buddy. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to hit a home run because, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the little game that Tony Baloney loves to play. It's called. Would you rather? That was almost as good as Tony's on the yeah, last one. Not nearly as good as mine. <laughs> uh, You're dreaming. Was that through a phaser pedal? Yeah, it sounded like. <laughs> yes. It was called the throat. Okay. John Jackson, he just spits him out, and we love him for it. John Jackson. So. <laughs> You are choosing a forever guitar. A forever, so this, a forever guitar. What is that? A forever. I have a couple of those, but what it is, it's a guitar that you're never going to sell. So this is not an investment. You will never sell it. No. You will find two beauties. This is what happened. You found two beauties <laughs> of the same model that look, feel, and sound identical. Identical. So they're like, there's the star, and then there's the stunt double. They they have. <laughs> <laughs> they both have the thing. They are even the same price. One, but here's the difference. One is a regular off-the-line vintage model. And the other is a current hand-built that is tastefully aged to a similar appearance. Okay. What so one's actually would, vintage, would you rather, but one is brand new, never been played. That's right. Would you rather have the old one or the new? one interesting all right are they less are they less pauls it doesn't say there it just doesn't specify yeah mm. and so we'll we'll do model unspecific. Yes. Yeah. uh tanya what are you doing vintage hands down yeah. i mean it's just I, I i have to say i was talking to someone about this not too long ago and and basically it is so difficult to recreate tone, aging, the overall sound of a vintage instrument out of new materials. Mm -hmm. mm. At the end of the day, you still have a new guitar. It looks and maybe sounds close, but there's nothing like 50, 60, 70-year-old wood on a guitar, old pickups, it's just there's something special. I mean, my my gauge was always, you know, if I can play a guitar that's as old or older than I am, it, there's something, yeah, just something s special about that. Okay. So yeah, I mean, same price, same sound, same everything. 
vintage all the way. Okay. All right. This is tricky because uh, uh, if you start to stray from any kind of specific models, that changes kind of radically. I'll get into that. Uh, well, you know, David Kaminga asks us, hey, are these Les Pauls? Okay. Yeah. Say they're Les Pauls. Okay. Okay. Does that, well, that, that kind of... <laughs> that didn't help. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> there is the a very... Deal, there, there, well, no, there, there's, there's variants there. Uh -huh. There's variables. Uh, do we do, do we want to do that? Do we want? No, I don't think. I think I we should think keep so. it. Uh, keep it open. Keep it. Yeah, keep it open. Keep it, keep it up to your interpretation. Keep it friendly. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here, Jared. Hands down, vintage all the way. There's, there's no. I, I would. That's not even a thought. There's nothing to think about. I mean. Uh, Tony hit it uh, when he was talking about the old original wood. I, I have and have had other vintage SGs. That's SGs are my thing. If you go back to the old podcast, mm -hmm. and I talk about SGs a lot because that's my thing. I had this. My favorite. I think the best sounding one I ever had was a '62 SG Les Paul. It was an original one, and it it had the uh, it wasn't my ebony block that I have now, but it had a, the old crusty sideways vibrola for, for some reason that particular guitar rung out i mean it, it was just louder and and it just felt different it felt it just sounded and felt you just can't replicate that and and my uh ebony block uh less policy that i have now the 62 i actually played that out uh last october and I watched a video, and it was significantly louder than the other Gibsons that I have. So I, I had a 79 Gibson, I had a 2005 Gibson, I had, you know, just a random uh, mix of Gibsons. But that guitar was just simply louder and more, I don't know, vibrate-y. So a lot of, a lot of people, you'll, you'll argue with some people to death about old wood, I, to me, that's a see it to believe it type of thing, and I believe it because I done saw it. I saw it. <laughs> All right, David, <laughs> about yourself. Um, I'm going to have to go vintage. Also, uh, I don't have the experience of Tony or Jared playing old instruments. The oldest I've played was probably early '70s, but I, I mean, and I do have a. Uh, a historic custom shop that was, you know, I think they tried to replicate the old, the thing, but you know, I don't know how close that is, but I just, I believe what they just said about the old wood, how it just has a certain resonance to it. And, you know, well, these well, days you you're just not going to get that. Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, let's take a guitar that was made in the 1950s or 1960s, even they're still using old growth lumber versus what's, you know, that, that might have been 200, 250 years old yeah. at that point. Right. Most of the wood that's being harvested today is yeah. probably 50 to 80 years at best, sometimes True, even right. less than that. Mm -hmm. So there's just something about, I mean, it, you know, the wood dries out, the wood uh, resonates better, it's a cellular structure. I, I mean, it's as much as they've tried with, like, you know, roasting maple and things like that uh, to, to kind of replicate what happens over time. 
there is still absolutely no comparison in my opinion. Yeah. I yeah. think there's there's a picture of Jimmy Carter with a guitar that was made out of a tree that he once planted. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I saw that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh well, uh, okay, I guess I gotta round that out. I mean make it unanimous because I, at first, I was thinking like, no, no, no. This is like I want, I want a brand new custom one like that that no one's ever played. But if we're talking about it's sort of like a reproduction of a vintage one with Eastwood guitars, uh, as an example, they're taking old vintage style guitars that we like, but that don't play as well because like like the old ones are kind of you know can be wonky. And they're, you know, he's kind of revived. They've revived a lot of those models, yeah, and yeah. They, and they play really well. Yeah, that was the that was the hitch that I was talking about earlier. But if this is a forever guitar, and someone's gifting it to you, and it's just like, look, you you're gonna have this the rest of your life. Make it count. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to go for something. You got to swing big and get something something rad. And uh, I like the idea that. You can have something in your hands. It's like, wow, what's the story behind this? Where, where, what clubs did this play? What music did this make? I think that's pretty neat. So that's a really good one. Thank you for sending that in, Mr. Jackson. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of those, and we're going to keep plowing through them. So thank you. Uh, Tony? Yeah. What, uh, you got some things to say? I got some things to Let's say. Let's do it, man. How about some of these? No, we already did that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do that last week, Jared. Yeah. It was fun. Wait till that you sounded hear. really good. It yeah. sounded really good. Wait till you hear the episode. It was awesome. Oh, okay. Awesome. Do at, the thing. At this point of the show, Todd, there's a very special group of people that we like to thank. These would be our executive producers. If you're wondering what an executive producer is, it's a person that supports and is a patron of this podcast. How do you become one? Well, it's very simple. Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. There you will find various levels in which you can participate and become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Indeed. There's great thank you gifts like t-shirts and barefoot buttons and oh keychains did i say keychains? all kinds of stuff i said keychains pins and pins, picks and doodads and whatnot all the good stuff but there's one thing more when you become an executive producer david Kamingo, what is that say you it. get your name read on the thing that's, that's right. right your name <laughs> read on the thing that's what i'm gonna do right now so special thanks to these executive producers miss Tom Brazen, Martin Cliff, John Daly, Chris Carney, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Ken Sayers, Brian Robison, Michael Senchuk, Stefan Lamb, Johnny Knowles, Anthony Lathrop, John England, Tyler Bray, Brad Partridge, Chris Heidel, John Esterly, Doug Gann, Justin Jones, Brett Alexander, James White, Matt Hart, Bill Gola Guitars, Richard Ooh. Kendall, Ty Harmon, John Jackson, Jason Rausch, David Rando, Douglas King, Gary Cooper, Lumberjack Components, Mark Garten, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, and Trevor Gunberg. 
Right on. Wait, Todd. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I, I, you had me at the first wait. In addition to these executive producers, there's a level of executive producers that's, let's just say, a step above, a cut above, if you will. Mm. These are the folks we call our grand poobas. These grand poobas, as we've just witnessed from David Kaminga, are up on the upper suites. They have individual hot tubs. They drink special grand pooba drinks while wearing their fezes. So special thanks, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. David Kaminga! Hey! I know that All guy. Right. Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro. Science of Sound, Cody Foster, Sean S. Yes. Tommy Manasco, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Tim Nowak, Tyler Rines, James Pennington, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, Johnny Morales, Mel Sanders, and Bob Crouch. Welcome, 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 Bob Crouch. Yes, right on. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, each and every one of you. Humongous help to our show. Thank you very much. It's really nice to hear that list growing longer. Oh, you know, it's I get Todd's, a thrill every Todd's single time. It's Todd's favorite part of the show. Yeah, honestly. It is. Uh, every time a new one comes on, I... I I'm just so excited, and I oh, make sure absolutely. I share that with Tony and Jared yes. immediately, and it's it's great. It's great. We love it. He really does. Uh, all right. Well, uh, David, we uh, we need to say, um, I guess, is there some place that people can hear your music or something? Um, yeah, well, you know, you could find me on Instagram and on Facebook. It's just my name, David Kaminga. And I do have, I do actually have a link to my Reverb Nation on my Instagram cool. uh, bio, and you could hit me up on Facebook. I'll be happy to send it out. I got maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 songs recorded just on there, and I'm perpetually working on an album that should be done one of these years. Nice. Um, but but for now, I do have lots of songs up there if you want to hear them. Or you just want to talk about guitars, you could find me in the Guitar Knobs chat group on Facebook or anywhere. I'm happy to talk guitars with anybody, anytime. Love it. Tony? Yes, Todd? Where can people find you? Go over to PickGuardian.com. Check out some of the things that I have to offer. You can order online, but uh, by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you want. And I will make sure that it happens. Awesome. Pickguardian.com. Uh, you can also reach me by PickGuardian. <laughs> what? Because Tony, Tony will just... I'm going to set you up an email, Jared, so you can actually yeah. say no, that. Yeah. Jared at PickGuardian.com. No, yeah. you can re- Seriously, you can reach Jared. Go to the, at, the thing, at the uh, yeah. Guitar Knobs Facebook thing and yeah. all that kind of... He's stuff. on that. Not through your Gibson. No, no. So no. Uh, I guess maybe I don't know if we'll keep asking you that because then you can get a hold of Jared or I. How about that? Yeah, um, yeah. And you can send like an email Todd at theguitarnobs dot com, uh, and you can also DM us on Instagram at guitarnobs. We would love to hear from you. Send in uh, what your story's about, gear you love, builders you love, whatever. We're happy to hear from you. Absolutely. David Kaminga, thank you so much for supporting our show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Can I just say one more thing? Sure. Yeah. 
If I worked at Gibson, I would owe them money at the end of the week from buying all the guitars <laughs> on the employee discount. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, David, let me know. Come to Nashville. We'll go to the Gibson garage, and I'll hook you up, brother. Okay, I'm there. Awesome. Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a great guitar week, and subscribe! Yeah. Who can turn a world on with her smile? No, you're supposed to have a Fez that has built-in headphones. Whoa. Break me off a piece of that. Kit Kat bar. <laughs> I think he hurt himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can make me sound good like all the other people. by Sacramento. Okay, cool. A Sacramento! I hear a Jared. Todd. Todd, are you with me? I am. Can you hear me, Todd? I can. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.